full circle. Full circle. Hi, I'm Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. Girlfriend, this is a place where you and I can connect. It's a show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Hey family, welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I am so happy that you are sheltered in place and you're joining me today. Family, I am so excited about this show because this is an episode that I've been wanting to do for some time. And when I met Teresa Carter Jeffroy, actually she is my estate planning attorney. And uh, it was really important for me when we, we met and we talked and I was like, you know, we have you have to be on the show. Like right then and there, I was like, you have to be on because we need the family to talk about this estate planning. It's not a comfortable subject. I totally get that. And when I was going through filling out my documents, I was not happy about thinking about how I wanted things to go after I'm not here because I don't want to think about me not being here. But I'm so glad that I did that because now my family is prepared and my family will know what my wishes are. They won't have to uh, worry about things Things will be written down and instructions will be are in place for them for when I do leave, which I'm not planning no time soon. Just just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to welcome my guest, um, the esteemed attorney, Teresa Carter Jeffroy, to the studio and family. I just want you to know Teresa's safe. We're keeping a safe distance. I have wiped down the studio from head to toe. So we are in here. We're safe. We are keeping our social distance. But I'm so glad that we are that I'm able to have Teresa in the studio because I think this is a really important conversation that we need to have. Teresa, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad that you're here. And, you know, during all of this that's going on, thank you for taking the time to come out. Um, let's go ahead and just tell the family who you are. Okay, so I am an estate planning attorney, but prior to becoming an attorney, I worked for Pacific Bell for about 14 years. They had a program that uh, enabled us to go back to school and they would pay for it. So I took them up on it and ended up getting my undergrad from Stanford University. And, um, you know, I grew up in East Palo Alto, so 650 is in the house. (laughs) And um, so Stanford was always in our background, and it was something that I always wanted to do. Never did I think in my wildest dreams that I would graduate from Stanford, but thank God that Pacific Bell had that program, and I graduated and uh, without any student loans from Stanford because Mm -hmm. Pacific Bell reimbursed us. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to, when I went to uh, to school, back to school, I just wanted to work at Pacific Bell and be a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I read a book that changed my life. It's called Black Robes, White Justice. And it was mm-hmm. written by a Superior Court judge in um, New York. And he said the only way that we can change the system is that we are on the other side of the table. And so I wanted to be a prosecutor and then, uh, so I went and applied for school at Santa Clara Law School, and I graduated in 1998. So I've been practicing law for t- almost 22 years now. When I got out of law school, I went to work for Workers' Comp. 
I was a defense lawyer for 10 years. That was not my passion. Then one day I got a call that I will never forget that my mom was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And so I did what I always did when faced with some challenges is that I created a strategy. And one of the strategies that I created for my mom was that she was going to get her estate plan. Now, she didn't want to do it because, you know, you're fighting for your life. You're not thinking about uh, doing your estate plan. But I called a colleague over and my mother reluctantly did her estate plan. So throughout my mother's subsequent disability, her death and the distribution of her assets was like a seamless transition for my siblings and I. And I have eight brothers and sisters. And so we were like one unit. And then while I was grieving, my grieving process, I was looking around at other people and seeing how some families were disjointed. They weren't a unified. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what's the difference between my family and their family? Well, my mom planned and theirs didn't. So they ended up in either probate court for conservatorship or probate court for death. And so a light bulb went off and um, the law office of Teresa Carter was born. And so my mission is to provide my clients with legal solutions for preserving independence over their long-term health care and financial decisions so that in the event of incapacity or death, their businesses and their uh, families can proceed in a reasonable and rational way. And so one of the key things is that my mom had, she had me to educate her, to tell her what would happen to her nine kids if she did not plan. And so that is one of my missions is to educate people on estate planning, the tools out there and what happens if you don't. So you basically walked through this when your mom was diagnosed, you knew that you wanted her to do this. Was there something that you had been exposed to that made you say, hey, I need to make sure that everything is taken care of? Or it was just a a gut feeling? Like, how did that part come about to jumpstart everything that's happened since? Well, I took a class in law school, Wills and Trust. Okay. So I knew what would happen. And then, like I said, workers' comp was not my passion. Uh (laughs) And so some of colleagues and I decided that we were going to start practicing Wills and Trust. And I order books and this, that, and the third, but it's hard to transition from one law to another. Especially, I was, you know, one step um, below partnership. I had, you know, five attorneys under me, six staff, so I couldn't learn a new law at that point. And so I knew what was going to happen if she did not plan. Yeah. I knew we were going to end up in probate. I knew that the 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 inheritance that we had, part of it would be eaten up in probate. So mm-hmm. um, that was our fear. So when we say estate, that term alone, what does that mean? Okay, so when you die, your estate is born. The moment you die, you or your estate is born. And so your, your estate includes all of your assets. And so it's what uh, or who controls those assets or the distribution of those assets um, is part of estate planning. It's like there's three ways you plan. You can do nothing. And that is the the law plans for you, makes all those important decisions. Or you can uh, do an estate plan through a trust uh, where you hopefully avoid probate. Or you can do a will-based planning where you you tell the judge what you want or or how you want your assets distributed upon your death. Okay, so you're saying when we die, the state is created and the state is made up of all of our worldly possessions, if you will, 
plus all any bank accounts, any retirement accounts, any uh, tr- uh, savings. Uh, what am I trying to say? Not um, uh, investments. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Anything that is in our name, is that what is considered the estate? Because I just yes. want to just make sure that we are clear on what an estate is, first okay. of all. So your cash, your bank accounts, your homes, your investment accounts, your uh, life insurance, all of that comprises your estate. Okay. So everything comprises your estate. Now, how it's made its distribution, it depends on what the asset is right. and what you've done. Just to get a, get everyone kind of level set, your estate is everything that belongs to you, if you will, or that you're named on. Now, what if you're married? How does that work? And we'll dig deeper into all of the nuances, but just again, in terms of the word estate, can, does a married person, does each person have their own estate? Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? So, like, if I die, my spouse, it's my estate. His estate is, you know what I mean, even though we might have had some community property. Right. So your estate comprises of separate and community property. Okay. Because with that 50, that 50% of your community property, you can actually direct where that goes. Okay. So I can have a say-so in where my half goes, yeah. even if it's community property. Absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we've gotten the foundation down. If we know what an estate is, now um, we know that estate planning is important, but can we kind of dig into what does that mean? You talked about a little bit about deciding the distribution, but kind of in total as much as you can and go as deep as you can we got we got till 12 o'clock right so we can dig as far as we can when we say estate planning what does that mean a little bit more deeper so it means what do you want or who do you want your assets to go to upon your death Um, that's the crux of estate planning then there's other things that float around such as what to ha- what do you want ha- to happen in the event you become incapacitated even though we're not dealing with an estate per se because it doesn't happen until you pass away so what do you want to happen to your assets who do you want to get your assets and when do you want them to get your mm, assets that's good that's good it maintains control of those assets even after death and you want your estate plan to be um conducted or administered with with as little cost to your loved ones as possible okay you talked about the three options um and what unfortunately most people do is do nothing right what are the ramifications if you just say i'm not going to do anything let the courts or let somebody else handle it it's too because it it's overwhelming like family i'm just gonna tell you i'm gonna be 1000 percent real with you it is overwhelming when you're sitting there planning for do i want this in the case that i'm in a coma or these things it's difficult mm-hmm. so some people might not be able to handle it they may not think that this is just something that they need to do let the family handle it i'm you know i'm, I'm out of here anyway so what are the ramifications of not doing anything at all so your delay can cause someone else's uh, stress. Mm-hmm. I could tell you a story about this this woman. It was I, during my first year that I had opened my practice, which I opened my practice in 2012. 
So she called me. She was looking for someone to get to the hospital to pre- prepare her stepfather's estate plan because he hadn't prepared one. Mm-hmm. And they were expecting him not to come out of the hospital alive. Mm-hmm. And she was just going down a list of attorneys that she received. Mm-hmm looking for someone to get to the hospital quick and in a hurry. Mm. I will always remember her voice, even seven years later. I remember her voice, the stress and strain of her trying to find someone to get to the hospital was just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And so your delay can cause someone else's stress. But what happens is your loved ones, they don't have a say-so in either your care if you become incapacitated mm. or your finances if you become incapacitated or the distribution of your assets, it's all going to be conducted by a court of law. And that's what we call probate, right? Probate. Okay. So there's living and death probate. Mm-hmm. Living probate is the process of, of getting conservatorship. So let's say that you become incapacitated, you go out there and you slip and fall and you're in a coma. Who's going to be able to manage your affairs? And so if you do nothing, then the courts will appoint someone to Correct. handle those things for you. Correct. Mm. So they comp- they uh, appoint a conservator. But even though the, the, the person's appointed as a, as a conservator, they still cannot act on their own. They have to get seek the court permission mm. for everything. And the, the thing that I don't like about probate... There's four things, and this is for death and um, living probate. I mean, death, yeah, and living probate. It's expensive. So who pays for that expense? Either if you're living probate, you pay for it, or um, your estate pays for it. It is um, public. So when they open up a probate file, it lists all of your name, your information, all of your beneficiaries' information. It lists um, your assets what they're worth, when they're going to get it, who's getting it. And I can go down there and look at your probate file. Your next-door neighbor can go down there and look at your probate file. But more important than that, con people can go down there and look at your probate file. And people can petition to be part of the, the probate file? Absolutely. Or- well, you don't even have to petition. You can go look. It's a public record. So you don't even have to. No one knows who's looking at the probate file. It's not a record. on. Yeah. You know, but but anyway, so I every time I do a probate that has real estate, I'm constantly getting calls and mm. letters from people saying, I have cash buyers, we'll, yeah. we're willing to oh. buy. So I say if you let your, your loved ones go through the probate process, that's like putting a red bullseye on their back. Mm, okay. And so it's, it's, it's also a lengthy process. In Sacramento County, it takes from about a year to two years to finish the probate process. Mm. Now, that could be a huge disadvantage. Who's paying that mortgage while we're going through those two years? Yeah. You know, or the taxes, et cetera. And so um, if unless unless you have, a, a you know, a lot of liquidity, th- that's coming out of the pockets of your loved ones. I'm doing a probate right now where the son, who's the executor, he's like, I am tired of paying this condo. And the condo association fees, because they don't go away. They're, it's coming all out of his pocket. Because it's in probate. Because it's in probate, okay. and we're trying to sell it. And mm-hmm. um, and so it, until that happens, yeah, it, someone has to pay it. The mortgage company doesn't care. Right. They just want their money. They want their money. Yeah. So if you do nothing, you subject your family, loved ones, friends, whoever your next, your close people are, um, to having to go through this process where... 
it's dragged on. So you're first of all, you're mourning the death of the loved one. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go through this process that can take up to a year or more, depending on how complex the um, estate is. Right. And then you're giving all of the decisions to the state. Yeah. So let's say that you had separate property. Let's say that you, you bought a house before you, you, you met the, the love of your life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so your house is in your name and the love of your life comes in and um, moves in and, and he's paying that, that mortgage right along with you 10, 20 years past. You still don't put the love of your life name on that house and you pass away. Mm-hmm. Who gets that house? So the state is going to control who right. gets the house. Right. So it's your separate property. So 50%, if, if you have one child, 50% of the property goes to that that um, love of your life. And the other 50% goes to the child. But let's say, let's say that you have more than one child. Mm-hmm. Then your love of life only gets 33% mm-hmm. and the children has to split. What if you don't even care about those children or they don't care about you anymore? Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Um if they still get it. Or if you don't have children, then it goes to your parents or your siblings. And so it's very important to control who gets your assets. Mm-hmm. Probate doesn't allow for that. Okay. So there there was the do nothing. Mm-hmm. The second one was to do a little bit of something, and that was just a will, right? Right. Okay. So a will-based plan, uh, to me, a will is just a ticket to probate. Mm. A will is just a letter to the court. Hi, judge, I'm dead. This is who I want all my stuff to go to. This is who I want in charge. If you have more than $166,250 in um, assets in your individual name when you pass away, it has to go through a a formal probate process. Even if you have a will? That yes. Oh. So your will is just tell is a letter. It's a last will and testament to the judge. Judge, take all my stuff and give it to these people that I've listed. But you still have to go through a process. You still go through the formal probate process. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a will doesn't speak for you if you become incapacitated. Mm-hmm. It only speaks Once for you, you when away. you pass away. So if you are incapacitated, you go out there and slip your head, slip and fall, and and bump your head, and in a coma. A will can't speak for you. Mm. So we're still in the probate. So a will does not avoid probate at all. Okay. So there was the two. There was the second category. And again, we'll dig more deeply because there's a lot of stuff we can unpack with this. And then the third one is to have a trust. Right. So a trust-based plan is very similar to a will. A will says, this is what I have. This is who I want to go to. And this is who's in charge. A trust, the same thing. This is who. This is what I have. This is who I want to go to. And this is who's in charge. But a second step occurs in a trust that doesn't occur in a will. The second step is during your lifetime, you are retired titling the assets out of your name and titling them into the trust name, or you are naming the trust as a beneficiary to receive the asset upon your death. And so you you are the trustee, the original trustee, but you're going to name successor trustees for either incapacity or death. And then in the event that you become disabled or you are um, or incapacitated or you pass away, the successor trustees just stands into your steps into your shoes and then they're able to then facilitate your trust, manage those assets, and then make the distributions according to your wishes, mm-hmm. all without having to go to court of law. And that's the main thing. It happens all without having to go to a court of law. Now, people may think that trusts are complicated, but they're not. It's business as usual. 
you are in control. You can add, you can take um, property in and out of the trust. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, you still file your regular, you know, 1040 tax return. Mm -hmm. You still get your regular uh, tax bill um, from the, the, your real property taxes. Nothing changed. It's just sitting there quietly holding all of your assets. So that in the event of your incapacity or death, it springs into action without going to court. I cannot stress that enough, without going to court. Well, and also in the trust, like I had mentioned, the uncomfortable part, but necessary, was you have those powers, uh, the medical power of attorney, so that if you are incapacitated, because you stated earlier, the will doesn't protect you or it doesn't make decisions for you if you're incapacitated. So in the trust, you do have you have the ability to say I want to appoint these people to make medical decisions for me these people to make financial you know having your medical and just general power of attorneys too to make those decisions for you in case you're not you know you haven't passed away but you're incapacitated so let's just step up take a step back they're actually okay. not in the trust oh okay so what you have is I guess because you were just so good and you <laughs> just had everything there for me <laughs> what you have is what's called what I call a comprehensive estate plan okay that that plans for both incapacity and death so okay. you you know a comprehensive estate plan includes about 14 different documents and those documents are the health care documents, the health care power of attorney. In the event uh, that you become incapacitated, you can't speak for yourself. Who's, who's going to be in charge and be able to advocate on your behalf medically? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be able to ne- negotiate a nursing facility for you if you needed that? Fire, hire your doctor, seek third and second and third op- opinions, things of that nature. So that's why we have the health care power of attorney. We have the advanced health care directive, which is for end-of-life decisions, when to withhold or start medical medical treatment. Do you, you know, when uh, do we want to, uh, you know, say there's no more treatment, pull the plug Mm -hmm. per se. Mm -hmm. And then you have the HIPAA. HIPAA allows people that you list on uh, the the document to receive your private health care information. And so those are all comprised of your health care documents. And then even with the trust, you have a will. It's called a pour over will. Mm -hmm. And what that does is direct anything that's in your individual name upon your death pours over into your trust. And that is just basically a safety net. It's not something we want to use because a will... You want everything to be in the trust. And we don't want to go to probate. That's why we're doing it all. So if there is an asset that's outside of your trust, let's say you bought a home, and this happens a lot. People refinance or they buy a home they take it out of the trust or they never put it in the trust and then they pass away mm-hmm. without um, putting it in the trust. And so their loved one's got to take that poor will to the court, go through formal probate to get that. Oh, that, okay. That, so the poor over will is acting like the regular will that we talked about exactly. earlier. So if you, oh, okay. All but right. it's just kind of a bare bones will because yeah. all it, it, it doesn't say everything you have and who, who's yeah. the real It's just naming those particular pieces that are not in the trust. Right. Okay. And so I want to make sure the fam knows comprehensive estate plan is that one that encompasses everything. Right. Yeah. Versus just reg, uh, 
the regular trust will still give you some protections. Absolutely. But you have to make sure to add those extra pieces in there for the incapacitation and all of those things in case you need that. A lot of people don't think about incapacitation. And we really need to think about planning for incapacitation because we're living longer with debilitating diseases. You know, um, I don't have my stats in front of me, but mm-hmm. I, I pulled stats. I pull them regularly uh, in regards to how long we're living and, and what's the chances of people becoming disabled as we age mm-hmm. and for that disability to last more than a year where we cannot function? Mm-hmm. And they are staggering. If you have an opportunity, I recommend that you do Google that. They're staggering. And so we want to make sure that we we plan for incapacity. We don't have it on our, our calendar. Yeah, I'm going to go slip and fall, right. you know, tomorrow. Right. Right. But that happens. It, it happens. And unfortunately, in the environment that we're living in right now, it's 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 more um, more at our door. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm repping Kobe today. I got my Kobe I shirt love on. That shirt. And it, it but it reminded me as I put this shirt on this morning, it just all kind of fell into place about the show and everything coming together that I'm sure Kobe was planned for. But that's what happens is that we travel on airplanes, travel in a car, to walk down the street, whatever it is, can get sick with this virus or something else. Mm-hmm. And so we never know what can happen. And so that's why we need to be prepared. Absolutely. And so it's just, it's just, you know, family, again, it's a difficult conversation. It's a difficult thing to think about. But it, you know, it, listen to how, how much it's saving your loved ones in the end of having to the agony of going through probate and doing all those things mm-hmm. um, by just taking a moment to prepare and have those conversations and think about how you want your legacy um, financially, uh, property, whatever it is that you're leaving to your loved ones to make sure that the people you want to have it have it and they don't have to go through this whole lengthy process it's bad enough that they're you know they've lost you you Mm -hmm. don't want them to have to go through extra stuff too to have to just have peace of mind about moving forward in the future and we want to say not only is it lengthy it's also really expensive okay yeah and so a trust saves you about 90 percent 90 percent and Uh, you know, versus probate. Mm -hmm. So that is why it's so important that uh, we use wisdom and and our our good stewards Mm -hmm. of our money Mm -hmm. so we can uh, plan for our, our, our loved ones as well as save them the time and expense of going through the probate process. Yeah. Family, if you have questions, make sure you hit us up at 916-921-5333. We are talking estate planning with Teresa Carter-Jeffroy, estate planning attorney and expert. She will answer your questions, so make sure you give us a call. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we let's take the call first. Let's see. 97.5, Hello. Hello. So, um, I don't know if you're on commercial break because I We're not yet. This. Go ahead. Okay. So, here's my question. At what point um, should a person um, obtain uh, a trust? Uh, is it is it based on how much your assets are or how, how does that work? So, I recommend a trust. The, the, um, the minimum is 166250 
dollars. Okay. And the reason why it's that minimum is that anything above that, you have to go through probate court. And so oh, okay. you're trying to protect your loved ones from probate court. But estate planning is much more than a will and trust. Right, we right. have to think about estate planning for your incapacitation. And so mm -hmm. I do, usually right between June and August, I do a lot of, of uh, powers of attorney and healthcare powers of attorney for children that are going off to college. So their parents can have the ability to manage their affairs if they become incapacitated. And so I say anybody over the age of 18 needs an estate plan of some sort. Yeah. Okay, awesome. That, that makes a, a lot of sense, especially for, like you just stated, the young people that go off to college and, and those that even return after they graduate, you know, it's such an important um, part yes. of uh, our existence. So thank you. And thank you so much for calling. Have a great day. Stay you safe well. out there. Uh, yes, ma'am. All right, bye-bye. Bye -bye. She makes a good, you guys make a good point, too, is that, because I've seen it time and again where there was a young person. I remember a story of a young person going off to college and getting um, a disease, a communicable disease. I can't remember what the disease was, but they got this disease. They fell into a coma. And, you know, I think we automatically think, well, okay, I'm the next of kin, but what if both of the parents were gone? Like maybe they had an aunt or uncle or something. There's no, there's nothing saying that they are automatically the person to decide for that individual. And even as parents, you're not automatically. Oh, okay. If you're over the age of 18, that's an adult. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So that even parents are not automatically um, assumed the person. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of hospitals, they they kind of, you know, um, they kind of bend the rules in HIPAA. Mm -hmm. But technically, you can't give your private health care information to anyone unless you give permission. Okay, I got you. And so, so yeah, because you're a, a, an adult now. Mm -hmm. So you have to actually name people to still. Mm -hmm. And and so when we come back, there is some more I want to dig into. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, family, more with Teresa carter Jafois, estate planning attorney and Esquire. I want to make sure to give you your due. <laughs> Teresa uh, carter Jafois, Esquire, talking about estate planning. We'll be right back after this quick break. Like what you hear? Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. Empowering you with knowledge and wisdom. This is Full Circle with Miss Wanda. We're back. Thank you so much for staying with the program. Having an important conversation with my guest, uh, attorney Teresa carter Jeffois, as we talk estate planning. We've got a caller on the line. Are you still there, sir? I am. Okay, go ahead and ask Teresa your question. Yes, Teresa, my mom passed away last year, July. I'm from Los Angeles, and she passed away in Los Angeles. And years prior to her passing, when before she health failed her, she had informed me and was just giving me wisdom on changing my will to a living trust. And so um, after she passed, she had one biological child, and I was a foster child my entire uh, childhood. And so after she passed, I was in Los Angeles after the services, I was asking my brother uh, regarding the trust, and he stated there was no trust. And so I just knew that that wasn't right. There's no way that you would just make up something like that to tell me. And so just the epiphany came, and one morning I was just getting up and looking at the prior properties that she had from the, my dad who had passed in 89 and her second husband who passed in the mid-90s, and then where she was in her third home, I was just looking up the value of those properties, and it came up that that property was under her trust. 
And so my question is, how do I find out if I am a beneficiary of the trust or who or about the trust? Okay, so I can't speak specifically to your issue, but let's talk general. So as a trustee, whoever the trustee is, their duty is within 60 days after the trust becomes irrevocable, and it usually becomes irrevocable at death, that they are to serve every beneficiary listed with a copy of the trust. So that's number one. Number two is... As a beneficiary, if you aren't receiving or you did not receive the, um, the, the trust, a copy of it, every, well, if, if it was done by an estate planning attorney, they probably did what's called a pour over will. Every will in California has to be lodged with the probate court in the county that they passed or the residence county within 30 days of the date of death. So you can go down to the county court, the, the Sacramento, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles County Superior Court Probate Division to see if the will was lodged. So you'd have to do that in person? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know. Los Angeles, they do everything paperless now. So mm-hmm. it could be something that you can order online. I don't know. Okay. Okay. And so the key is, is that you need to find the attorney who did the documents. Now, all of my documents have my name on every page. Mm-hmm. So in the event something like this happens, the beneficiaries should reach out to the attorney who prepared the documents to see if they were a beneficiary of the trust to get a copy. Okay. Now, what you explaining how upon the death that the executor of the estate is supposed to ensure that the beneficiaries have a copy of the trust. Now, if they fail to do that and I find out that I am a beneficiary, how do I proceed at that point? You take them to probate court. Yes, so a trust doesn't totally avoid probate court. Unfortunately, uh, we can't provide, we can't put provisions into trust that we have to love each other and get along with each other and treat each other with respect and honor my wishes. We can't uh, put those provisions in there, unfortunately, for people to abide by. And so the beneficiaries, um, their their remedy is to go to probate court in order to uh, obtain whatever. Uh, whatever inheritance was left for them. Now, the thing is, is that if, let's say that um, the distributions were made without the beneficiary's knowledge and the beneficiary did not get what they were supposed to, once the beneficiary becomes aware of of that um, inheritance, take the, the person to court and they can still get their inheritance. The, the executor and trustees are liable to the beneficiaries for, um, for their inheritance. I see. Okay. Okay. So the first step is getting down to Superior Court probate down in Los Angeles and finding out about the... Now, so when I, when I get down to the court and I'm just trying to look it up through the, my mom's name? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I would do is go online, and Los Angeles has so many 
superior courts and so right. many probate courts. I would okay. go online to determine which one am I going to and then or look to see if you can obtain a copy of the will online. Now, by you stating that Los Angeles is having, you know, multiple pr- probate courts, when I'm searching him, am, am I just searching by her name in, in, in these different probate courts? So it's it's this. It, I, Los Angeles has like the city that the the person passed away in. Okay, it usually tells Los- you which court you got to go to. Okay, okay. Cause so she passed she passed in the city of Los Angeles, and so okay. All right. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in, and I just wish you the best on getting this whole thing resolved. Yes. Exactly. I really appreciate that so much. Okay. You guys have a wonderful day. You too. I love the program, too. I'm still listening. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You too. You know, my heart goes out to foster children because I am a foster mother. We have two boys that we have had uh-huh. for almost three years now. And um, the thing is, with foster parent, with foster children, mm-hmm. they do have rights to seek um, inheritance from their foster parent uh-huh. through the probate court. Oh, okay. They they do have rights, and the thing is, is that um, I want to take this okay, to take okay. this call real quick. Okay. Hello. Yes. Um. I just had a uh, comment that I wanted to make to Attorney Joffrey. <laughs> Jeff Wah. Jeff Wall. Hello, Miss. Hi. This is your cousin, Tanya. I know. <laughs> Attorney Jeff Wall, I was just calling you just to say what an awesome job you were doing. And I just um, wanted you to understand and know that your knowledge. Turn your radio down in the background, please. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I, I just wanted your listeners and you to know, just to confirm, what a wonderful, wonderful job you're doing, um, sharing the knowledge. You were so helpful, more helpful than you know, um, during the transition of my parents. And the information, the empathy, your wisdom is just priceless. And I am just so proud of you, and we need to make sure that... Um, you know, we continue to have the conversation because, you know, sometimes death is such a scary thing. So I just thank you for doing what you're doing, and you're just doing an awesome job. Thank you for calling all the way from Memphis. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you for listening thank in you. to your cousin and supporting thank her. You. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I love you. All right. <laughs> take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. 97.5, hello. Hello. I had called earlier, but I guess you couldn't hear oh, me. Oh, yeah, you sound so much better now. Go ahead with your question. I a different window in my house right now. <laughs> Go ahead, ma'am. I have a trust, and I have a will. My question is, um, I have a handicapped child, and I want everything that I own to be given to her. Um, I don't know how to proceed as far as who will take care of her or what I need to do specifically in my trust to make sure that she is taken care of after I pass. So, so was she um, disabled when you created your trust? Yes. So did your attorney put provisions in there to um, to 
support your daughter in the event that you are incapacitated or you pass away? There should be provisions in there um, already in your trust. I can't speak to your, your, your issue specifically, one, because I don't have the documents. Two, it's because we, uh, you know, thousands of people are listening in and we don't, we want to keep things as private as possible. So what I recommend is that you make an appointment with me at, um, you can call my, my number, 916-572-1998, extension 700, and just mention that you heard me um, on the radio, and I'll give you a free consultation. Okay, what is the number again? 916-572-1998, extension 700. I thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Teresa, actually, she makes a really good point. And I was doing my homework um, last night, just kind of looking over some things. And there was one thing that talked about um, when you have dependents that may not be able to fully care for themselves. I don't know what her situation is, but just in general, um, leaving everything, you know, although we want to leave everything to that person, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that may not be the best decision because, and again, I'm speaking general, not in her terms, but because if they don't have the capacity Mm -hmm. to make the decisions, then what happens in that case? Okay, so as the the grantor, and that's the person who creates the trust, you provide all, all kinds of provisions in that trust. And so I do a lot of special needs trust. And so that's what you would want to create. Now, in every trust that I design, you have special needs provisions in that trust in the event situations change. Let's say you become incapacitated and and not die for years, and then your loved one becomes incapacitated, relying on governmental needs-based assistance, et cetera your trust should adjust to those changing situations and yours does Mm -hmm. it has a provision that allows your trustee to create what's called a supplemental needs-based trust Mm -hmm. and what those trusts are the law allows is that the trustee can supplement the needs of the incapacitated person without risking the incapacitated person's benefits governmental needs-based benefits and so they're not in control and every year, the um, the government issues what they consider the th- items that can be purchased or what they can give the person who's incapacitated without kicking them off of their governmental needs-based assistance. Okay. So the trust that I designed, every last one of them, have those provisions that if someone's situation changes before you pass away, then your trustee can make a supplemental needs-based trust trust however if that person is incapacitated or or um or has special needs and you come to see me Mm -hmm. i'm going to tell you let's do a standalone special needs trust for that person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so that is a little bit more detailed than the provision that that i include in every trust but that standalone um special need trust allows a trustee to manage to hire case managers if they need it yeah. um, which sounds like she would need because if she leaves here who's going to take care of her daughter right well we can hire a case manager we can say what kind of case manager do we want a social worker a, a RN an attorney etc and so if you have incapacitated loved ones then you should have either a standalone third party special needs trust or 
built in your trust the ability to create one. That's so good. That makes a good point. But also, let's say that the 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 loved one isn't incapacitated. Let's say they have they have needs such as they they're spendthrift. They spend every dollar that they get. Uh-huh. Then you can create. Um, provisions in your trust that they can get their assets over time you know maybe give them allotments every every month instead of giving them money directly or let's say they're too young i bet i everyone that's listening to my voice would say the best thing you can give to a young person is education Mm -hmm. well you can tie the distributions to education you get your four-year degree in 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 four years you get a lump sum a certain amount you go get a graduate degree you get more or i'll pay for college or you know you if you want um money during college you have to maintain a 3.5 or 2.5 grade point average you know be a full-time student etc so you can tie your distributions to almost any incentive that you can think of in order for your assets to even work for you from the grave. That's good. That's that's a really good point that you mentioned that. I think when we think about, uh, I get a trust when I'm 18, like you see that on TV a lot. Oh, when I get 18, I'll get my trust and it's all these dollars, right? But I like the fact that you talked about, because it's so important that, say you have this large amount you have homes and all these things and you leave it to your 18 year old that has no idea what to do with this or your 21 year old or even your 25 or 30 year old right that they have no idea how to manage your money or are so overwhelmed with the fact that they may be responsible but this is just such an overwhelming burden for them so putting those I like putting those provisions in of you you know you get a little bit here and a little bit there or you get you know tied to certain stipulations or whatever um, that that are important to you and they have to fulfill those things but say you say I want my child to get you know 50% of the trust upon graduation from their from a four-year university or upon getting their bachelor's degree or whatever it is and they never go to school what happens then it just kind of sits and revolves or so we have a, a, you know I put provisions in there as well uh-huh. that say that if um, this expires in eight years so okay. let's say let's say we really want them to go to college so it expires within eight years of graduation but you know what you're still not going to get 50% mm-hmm. then what you'll do is depending on what kind of carrot and stick you want to dangle. Uh-huh. I mean, you could get real creative uh-huh. that if you don't get your four-year degree, then you then your your inheritance is reduced even further. You get 25%, and I'm going to get your other 25% to your, your kids. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. So there's provisions you can put in there. And the other thing I want to make sure that we kind of go back over is if you have that person. So I have a friend whose sister has Down syndrome, right? So even though he would want to make sure that she is cared for, it wouldn't be wise to leave, make her the direct beneficiary because she can't, I mean, she know her mental capacity is probably that of a small child. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't make sense for it to leave the money to her, even though we want to protect our loved ones and we want to make sure they're cared for, but to think about who can care for them and put provisions in our trusts and documents to make sure that the things that she needs are covered, whether it's, you know, nursing or, you know, other, other kind of duties that, that may need to take care of her in the event of that she's gone. You know. So you do leave the money to her. She just oh, doesn't okay. control it. Oh, okay, 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 mm-hmm. okay. So you can make them direct beneficiary, but exactly. put some stipulations or 
direct beneficiary in a special needs trust. Okay, gotcha, Mm -hmm. gotcha. Mm -hmm. Man, this is some good conversation, family. I hope you are taking some notes. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Ms. Wanda, having a conversation with uh, state planning attorney, Teresa Carter-Jeffroy. We will be right back after a really quick break. This is Full Circle. If you have something to add to the conversation, drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And we're back with Miss Wanda, life coach, motivational speaker, and friend of sisters everywhere. This is Full Circle. Thank you for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a great conversation. And I was telling Teresa at the break, we are, we might have to do a part two because there's just so much we can dig into in regards to this topic of estate planning. I'm having a conversation with my guest, Teresa Carter-Jeffroy Esquire. She is an estate planning attorney located in the Elk Grove area and family. She has got you covered. She looks out for everything. Um, I wanted to go back, Teresa, to something that we had talked about during the break and that is I've heard this before several times someone saying you know put your loved one on your house on your deed um, or on your house so that you can avoid probates oh that is such a big no-no oh my gosh (laughs) so many things could happen and we only have a a little less than an hour Uh so I'll just touch touch the little things so one, now they are part owner of a house. Mm-hmm. We had a lady who put her daughter on the house and she wanted to sell. Eventually she wanted to sell to downsize. Mm-hmm. So she put her house up for sale. Her house was paid for. She put it up for sale and um, they had a, a buyer. And so she, her daughter had to sign to sell the house because she's part owner. Right. The daughter said, the only way I'm assigned if I get part of the money. Now, she was only putting the daughter on, I'm assuming, just to, to cover in case probate. anything happened to, to her. To avoid probate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now daughter is part owner. I'm like, didn't you know who this daughter was before you put her on the house? Oops. You know? So anyway, so number one, they're part owner. Number two is what if daughter went out there and hit somebody and uh-huh. got sued? Now she's part owner of that house. 50% of that house is up for a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, number three is taxes. Now, we don't think about this, but whenever you gift somebody um, any asset over $15,000 in one year, you're supposed to file a gift tax return. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is you're gifting them at the rate. And this gets, I'm drilling down a little yeah. bit. Um, this gets a little complicated, but anyway, you're gifting it at your cost basis. Your cost basis is what the IRS uses to determine how much capital gains you are going to pay. Yeah. So if you buy something at $100,000 and you sell it at $300,000, there, there is a $200,000 difference that the IRS is going to determine whether or not you pay capital gains on that. Mm-hmm. This is really a um, very simple yeah. um, form of what I'm saying. Uh, nevertheless, so you're gifting that asset to that person at the rate that you bought it. So if you bought it 40 years ago and you're putting your children's name on it, can you imagine the capital gains that yeah. they would have to pay if they mm. sell it after you die? Mm. Gotcha. However, if you inherit any asset, you inherit it at the date of death value. So that house that's now $300,000, your children go sell it within a year of you passing, 
they, there's no capital gains. They sell it at the rate that they have inherited. So those are the three major things. One, they are owner, so you can't do anything without it. Number two is their owner, so if they have any liabilities, your house can be attached. And number three, that they are there are capital gain taxes, potential capital gain taxes that they would have to pay upon selling the, the house. So. so that's just one of the... Uh... I guess no nos. And then, at, well, let me just before we go further, putting the person's name on the house in order to avoid probate. In the end, we talked about the three big things that it could that could affect it. But in the end, does it still ev- um, avoid probate not after all that? <laughs> not necessarily. So, what if you both pass away at the same time? Yeah. Who's uh, who's going to uh, get that asset? It has to be probated. What if you become incapacitated? And we need to sell that house so you can we can get you into assistant living. Who's going to sign your name on the dotted line? Yeah, yeah. You have to go to conservatorship. Mm-hmm. So b- putting joint tenancy on any asset, not just a house, joint tenancy on any asset does not totally avoid probate. Okay. And it also can make can cause um, distribution to the wrong people. It doesn't guarantee distribution to the right people. And that's the number one reason why we plan, because we want our assets that we that has taken us a lifetime to accumulate to go to the right people. Well, joint tenancy does not necessarily um, prevent that or, or, or let that happen. So I'll give you a scenario. Let's say that mom has a will. And her will says everything equally to my three kids. And if one of my kids predeceased me, I want to want their share to go to their child because their child's going to need it most. They, mm-hmm. They've lost a parent. Mm-hmm. And then she got the wise idea that I'm going to avoid probate because a will is just a ticket to probate. So I'm going to just avoid probate and I'm going to just put put my three kids' names on on their on my house. That way when I pass, it's going to pass to them. Perfect. I have avoided probate. But one of the children predeceased her and then she passes away. What happens to that predeceased child's share? Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to their kids. So what she's done is effectively disinherited her own grandchildren. So do you have you have to stipulate that if they predecease, it goes to their heirs? Well, you can't do that on a on a on a Not grant a deed. Oh, okay, got. You. Oh, okay, I see what you're, you're talking about. The house. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. On the all grant right. deed, I'm following you. So yes, on the house, who who would get that share okay. of the house? The two living children, and nothing goes down to the third son's or daughter's children. Gotcha. There's a lot. It's a, there's a lot of it's nuances, lot. right? Mm-hmm. And things that people do to try and avoid or navigate through the system the best way they can without having the expertise. So can you give us, let's say, the top five at least uh, mistakes that you've seen or no-nos or whatever, however you want to call it, just those things that we that you've seen happen or you know are possible that can happen. Okay, so we talked about the one is putting someone else's name on uh, your title. Mm-hmm. Number two is naming someone else as a beneficiary who's going to handle everything. I'm going to name my daughter as the beneficiary and she's going to give it out to to my sons, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to handle everything. She knows what I want. She She's going to do it all. Okay, so number one, um, if daughter is married, 
husband has to gets to whisper in daughter's ear. Uh-huh. And sometimes that whispering is not consistent with what you want. But let me just give you the, another scenario, which happens a lot, where mom is living in a house and she's living by herself because dad died and she doesn't want to move. So daughter comes in and moves in with her, right? And she goes, daughter, you know what? I'm going to put your name on the bank accounts and I'm put because you're helping me um, with my bills. You're making it easy. But you know what? When I die, I want to make sure that your brothers receive their share. Daughter goes, yeah, mom, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, mom dies. Does daughter have a legal obligation to share with brothers? No. Absolutely not. And if if daughter thinks she's been helping and doing everything and, and the brothers haven't been doing a, a thing to help mom, daughter's not going to give brothers their share. Mm-hmm. And so naming someone as as the beneficiary who's going to make the distributions according to your wishes is wrong. That's a huge mistake. You need to spell out everything that all of your wishes spelled out. So in that scenario, instead of saying daughter gets everything and I'm going to trust her to distribute it because we all know what happens when family dies. I mean, let's just be honest, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of infight. There can be Mm -hmm. infighting and I want my share of it and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So in your trust or your documents, you need to say not only does daughter get this, but son one gets this, son two gets this and so on and so forth. That way you're not putting the burden on anyone mm-hmm. to distribute anything because on the other, on the flip side of that, she might be so distraught that she can't make any decisions, right. you know? So it might not be a case of infighting, but it can be, man, I did everything for mom. I really miss her. Mm-hmm. I just can't see myself making these. I can't go to the back. I can't make these decisions. The way the trust is there spelling out things that happen and whoever the trustee is or trustees right. can can move forward. Right. I've noticed when people die and they're going through the the grieving process, Mm -hmm. there's either the grabbers or the people who are frozen, who Mm -hmm. can't move, who can't do, they're going through their own grieving process differently. And so uh, planning with a trust and a will, it basically protects the people who are frozen. It protects even the grabbers Mm -hmm. from from their grief. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, planning it's it's it has its own um definite um pluses that we're not even considering you know just the distribution of your assets it's also it's a protection of your of your children from themselves from third parties etc yeah yeah and then um my third is failing to update your estate plan that's good our lives are so fluid we change Uh, People in our lives change, our perspectives change, our asset mix change, and the law changes. And so I tell my clients every 18 to 36 months, drag that estate plan out the door, dust it off, and review it to make sure that it's doing what you presently want it to do. Mm -hmm. So you failing to update um, your estate plan also uh, will cause the, uh, the, your beneficiaries, the the hassle of of saying, well, this is what mom wanted yesterday. She told me versus what you've written down and if that's set in stone. So you want to make sure it reflects what you accurately think or feel and believe right now. Also, the law changes in my job as an estate planning attorney is to make sure that my clients are updated on the law. So every year I send a season's greeting letter at the end of the year to all of my clients stating, that, you know, the law changed if, you know, what the changes are and how it affects them. And, um, and 
let them know that they need to come in if they don't want those those consequences mm-hmm. to come in and let's just review your estate plan. So every 18 to 36 months, you review it. Every year, your attorney should be sending out um, documentation to you, letting you know what the law is. So another the another um, of the, my top five is failing to update your insurance mm. beneficiaries. This is huge because the consequences can be damaging. Um, so there was this gentleman who bought a, a life insurance plan, uh, and he was mar- when he was married. He subsequently divorced his wife. And then married, met and married the love of his life. Mm-hmm. He did not update his insurance policy, mm-hmm. the, the beneficiary designation. And, you know, he passed away. Mm-hmm. And who got that big mm-hmm. life insurance policy? Mm-hmm. The ex-wife. Not a dime went to the love of his life. Oh, so it's really important to update your your insurance beneficiary designation. I want to piggyback on that a little bit too, because, um, you know, I work for the state. Everyone knows I work for the state and we get as I'm in management. So we get a life insurance through the state. And I think everyone does, but I know we get one for sure. And so when you leave your job, if you get life insurance through your job, Mm -hmm. please know that if you leave that job or if you retire and you want to check with your employer, I'm not speaking definitive. I'm just saying check with your employer, but this is something to be aware of that policy may stop exactly yeah and so that's another thing is changing your beneficiaries but also knowing that if you no longer work at that job that life insurance a lot of times they won't pay for someone that doesn't work for them anymore right Right. and so it's important to know that if you do have insurance through your job and something happens where you either you know are laid off whatever the situation is where you're no longer working at that with that employer make sure that you find out if you're still covered for life insurance because there might be people walking around out there saying oh well you know I you know I got insurance from this job I worked two or three years mm-hmm. um, before that I you know ago that I don't work for anymore but I still have life insurance well you may not and so you may need to make sure to check that out so I just want to piggyback on no, that as well. that's very good information very valid information and usually if they do offer continuation it's at a very high premium yeah yeah so yes that's very good yeah yeah and so that was my fourth one. And then my fifth one is failing to contact the law office of Teresa Carter Jeff Law. <laughs> I love that. That's the best one. <laughs> That's the best you know, one. You need an experienced uh, estate planning attorney. Yeah. You know, I see all these fly-by-nights. Oh, I can do it myself. We, um, I won't mention the ones that are on the Internet. But if you look at their disclaimers... Their disclaimers are, we're not an attorney. We cannot provide advice. Mm -hmm. We are only a legal documentation service. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. you look at that, that's just some, that's just like mail merge. When you plug it in the name and the uh, address and it merges onto the document. If you make a mistake on that, Mm -hmm. the mail merge is not going to correct it. And the same with these, these uh, internet sites, they don't correct it. They can't tell you advice. They can't represent you in court. You know, let's say that's that a disgruntled, um, disgruntled, I'm sorry, um, beneficiary comes in and wants to take your estate plan to court. Mm-hmm. That that legal document service is not going to represent you. But I can represent you or represent your interest because I've taken notes. I know what we're doing, what we discussed and why you did what you did. Yeah. And and that you were hopefully competent. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> when you did it. And so you definitely need, if not the law office of Teresa Carter Jeff Why, you definitely need an, an experienced attorney that knows what they're doing. And I, I absolutely recommend an estate planner. I had a client who uh, her, uh, her parent passed away and her parent had used a criminal defense attorney oh. to prepare the estate plan. And it was okay. The okay. trust was okay. The will was, everything was okay. okay. Um, the parent had a house and that, that criminal dis- defense attorney put the house in the trust, which was a-okay. But then that parent moved to a new house mm-hmm. and did not put that new house in the trust. And so when the parent died, we had to go through formal probate mm-hmm. in order to get that house into the trust. Oh, wow. And so with that year, the, the end of the year letter I sent to all of my clients, I, I also asked them, did you, did, did you buy anything? Mm-hmm. Did, you, did anybody pass away? Mm-hmm. Did any of your perspectives change? If so, you need to come in. We need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing about having an experienced attorney. Not only do they know um, the provisions that need to go in or the recommend the, the language in your trust and can di- direct you and advise you, not only can they represent you at, in, in court if they had to, they can also... Um, make sure that your trust is updated because the trust that I do, I want to make sure that it it will uh, perform as my clients wanted them to do when they prepared them. Mm-hmm. And so that's very important. I have a vested interest in all of the trusts that I do. Okay. So say there's someone out there that has a trust that's had a trust for years. They want to do some tweaking or look at it or whatever. And will you help them people with that, that people that are like, okay, I have this trust. They're listening right now or whatever. And maybe it was prepared 30 years ago and they want to kind of just review it. Will you do that with folks? Can folks come in and review what they've already done? Maybe their attorney's no longer alive or they're living at a, you know, now they live in California. They lived somewhere else. Can you help them with those things? Okay, so I don't tweak other people's trusts. Okay, all right. I redo them. Oh, okay. okay. I, I, I do. I do what's called a restatement of trust. Okay. So what we do is we take everything out of the trust as far as the language, but we keep the name of the trust, mm-hmm. and then the so we get it. Okay. We keep the name because all the assets were titled to that name, so we don't want to change the name. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I do not tweak. Because if that attorney made any error, mm. and I didn't catch it, yeah, they made an error, I bought the error. Gotcha. And so me redoing it, I'm com- I am confident in my work, and I know what I do. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I make an error, I'm okay with buying that error. That's mm-hmm. why I have malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. However, I don't want to buy everyone else's error. Yeah. Gotcha. And so I don't retweak. However, I will review your trust, and more likely than not, I'm going to say you're going to need to it it updated. Yeah, especially if it's older. Okay. And then one other thing on the no-no list that we talked about when we first met uh, was your attorney, whomever that is that's preparing the trust, should not be a beneficiary of your trust. A beneficiary, or um, okay. So I've seen a couple of attorneys in my local area, um, named themselves as successor trustee. And even though there's not a law or or a statute or regulation against that, I believe it's not ethical. 
Yeah. It's like the fox watching the hen house. So an attorney that prepared the estate plan should not be a trustee of the estate plan. Now, they should be able to uh, help your successor trustees. A lot of my uh, clients' successors, they'll come in and they'll get advice from me. But actually doing, actually administering the plan, that should not happen. Yeah. I think it's unethical, but other attorneys may disagree with that. Okay. And then another thing is that you have to be careful of who you're going to uh, because I've seen attorneys that prepare will-based plan when it was clear that you needed a trust-based plan. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if you have over $166,250 in assets in your name, you should have a trust-based plan. Mm -hmm. Because what happens, I I just saw this recently, it was really shocking, that the attorney prepared a will-based plan, and one of the beneficiaries said, why don't you get a trust-based? And the person said, nope, my attorney said, do a will-based plan. So then the person died. And their beneficiary came to me to look at it. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the, the, the will in two separate places says that the executor should use the law office of blah, 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 blah. Mm. Two places. And so you as an executor, you're looking at that. You're going to go to that to law that, office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That person had homes. And so the probate, probate's expensive. Attorneys, in fact, I do a couple of probates a year because you get paid a lot of money doing probates. Mm-hmm. And so that attorney who prepared that will-based plan got money from that, that elder person to prepare that will-based plan, but the money that, he, that they're really going to receive is in the back end during probate. Mm. So if you have over $166,250, you should consider doing much more than a will-based. Okay. All right. A um, couple of other things I want to make sure to point out is if you have, and, and, you know, this may sound weird, but I have seen this, and not just from celebrities, but I have seen, seen people that have beloved pets that have left funds to the pet so that kind of goes back to and i hate to equate it to the disabled but that goes back to leaving um provisions not just leaving money to fido but like actually leaving making provisions right i do lots of pet trust actually oh, okay i do it and i love it even though i don't have any pets of my own uh-huh. i i love doing that to make sure that their beloved pets are taken care of okay in the event they become either incapacitated or they pass away okay all right so yes you if you have a pet we put that in there in your trust as well okay the other thing i wanted to point out too and this is something that i did is there are charities that are near and dear to my heart that i wanted to leave a final gift to and so that's something that you can also Include Absolutely. Lots and lots of people um, um, contribute to the charities. The thing is, 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 is um, they either contribute if even if they um, they leave assets to the heirs or this is what I call the tornado provision. If everybody you named were wiped out, you all were having Thanksgiving dinner from what's that soul food we just talked about? Oh. We, we ordered our Thanksgiving dinner and we're all sitting there and eating our, eating Thanksgiving. our good Southern creations. 
get food and then a tornado comes and wipes all of all of us out at the same time mm-hmm. who do we want to leave our assets to and a lot of people leave that those assets to charity oh okay all right good deal and that's that's there's so many uh nuances to consider yes. and that's why you do need an experienced attorney and not try and navigate through some of this yourself online mm-hmm. because um you know online they're just saying well this is good for your state this is good for your state and, and like you said they, they don't you don't get the legal representation that you do when you have someone that sits down with you that knows the law and knows you know can give you good solid advice on how to prepare your estate. Yes, and they have to be also beware of the what I call the traveling salesperson. Mm-hmm. You know, as an experienced estate planning attorney, I went to one of their um, their uh, seminars. And it just, it horrified me, first of all, what the person was saying. He is an, a, a salesperson. He's not an attorney, but he doesn't tell you that. And he was telling 98% truths. Two percent were were not truths. He wasn't telling all the truths, and p- people were lining up, and I was just horrified. I was like, "Too bad that that they're believing these traveling salespeople." Mm-hmm. And then those those other trusts that that are tied, people the the attorneys are tied with financial mm-hmm. um, advisors. Mm-hmm. The bar states, the California State Bar states on their website to beware of those estate planners are tied to with financial um, advisors just because th- your your trust may cost 600 bucks but your where they get their money at is they control your assets mm. and they're getting all those fees that aren't regulated like the mm. state bar is so beware of those too those big advertisements we see in the mm. newspaper mm. yeah and I just want to um, kind of Make sure that we protect our elderly, too, because there's a lot of people out there that are preying on elderly people in regards to estate planning or Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I just I just want to just kind of give a shout out to those for those folks. Right. Do your homework when you're looking for an estate planning attorney. Look and see what they've written. Have do they have a blog? Look at their website. Look at where they were educated. Um, Look at any reviews that they may have either on their website or online. Ask, ask people, have you done your estate plan? Who, who do you recommend? Mm-hmm. Interview one or two people, yeah. shop around, yeah. just make sure that the person will, uh, will prepare your documents mm-hmm. in a legal way that is, will represent what you want. And your documents will do what you want when you're no longer here. Yeah. So, you know, do your homework. Do like your homework. like Teresa said, do your homework. And you don't have to go with the first person. You can interview a couple of folks and get some good information. Come in armed with questions. You know, I always talk about being an advocate for yourself. So this is another place. It's not just in regards to health care. It's being an advocate advocate for yourself and your family um, in this. So you want to make sure that you're, you know, asking the right questions and getting the information that you need to know. And of course, why not just go to the law office of <laughs> Teresa Carter-Jafois, right? She's right here. And uh, she will do some consultation for you. Tell everyone a little bit about your services that you can provide for them in our last uh, 10 minutes together. So education 
is the key. So uh, in the first uh, initial consultation, I'm, I'm going to educate you on all the estate planning tools so that you can make the best decision for you and your loved ones. So I not only prepare documents, I also help the administration, both in probate. Like I said, I, I do two probates a year because probate pays a lot of money. Um, I prefer to get you before you need to go into probate. Um, I do not do conservatorships. I do not do conservatorships. I get several calls or on my Facebook page, um, um, someone will message me asking me, do I do conservatorships? No, I don't. So estate planning and administration. Okay. That's typically what I do. Mm-hmm. So I assist people, I assist families to prepare for incapacitation and death. Okay. All right. And so Teresa's happy to take your phone calls. Give them, tell them where they can find you. So my um, website is www.jeffwalaw.com. I'll spell it. It's G like George, E-O, F like Frank, F like Frank, R-O-Y-L-A-W.com. Please visit my website. It has a lot of information that will help you. And then my, uh, my address is 9401 East Stockton Boulevard, Suite 145 in Elk Grove. My phone number is 916-572-1998, extension 700. You can go on to my website and send a contact and a question if you want. Um, I do accept uh, website contacts. And that's about it. Okay, so 916-572-1998 is the number that you can reach out to Teresa. You can also find her. She's in Elk Grove. Very easy to find. Um, or you can go to her website. And I'll put a link up uh, for to her website as well on the Facebook, on the Full Circle Facebook page. Again, it's just jeffwalaw.com. And that's G-E-O-F-F-R-O-Y law.com. Again, I'll put links on the um, on the Facebook and Instagram pages for the show. That's it, Miss Teresa. Wow, thank you. Is there a part? Is there any parting words you want to say to the family before we go? Well, I just first of all, be safe and please plan. We don't know what tomorrow holds, especially in the environment that we're presently in. And and as an estate planner, I have gone into the hospitals and people have signed on their deathbed, but we won't have that opportunity. We don't have that opportunity with this coronavirus. So please plan, put something down so your loved ones will know what you want to do, as well as that your wishes will be honored. And they won't have to be stressed out. That's just one thing off the plate. And just be strong and encouraged because we this this will pass. This yeah. will also pass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like how you said to plan because we never know what even the next hour holds. So and be safe. And if I don't know if you've noticed by hearing her voice, but yeah, Teresa's wearing her mask, so she's <laughs> being safe. Again, we're socially distancing and doing all those things. Family, thank you. So so much for tuning in thank you for your phone calls your text and your uh your comments on facebook about this particular show uh, we will i'm just gonna say it we are gonna do a part two we'll have to figure that out because there's so much more to dig in let's take this last question before we go well hello god bless you oh i'm just so touched that um you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and this is definitely much needed, and my heart goes out to all of those enduring and know that because of the blood that's over all of us, 
we are definitely protected. We, us being God's children and believers, but we're not to be stupid. One more time for everybody out there listening, and like someone like me in my car, could you please give your last name again? And I encourage everybody out there to please get this lady's name and number because it's going to be somebody somebody knows that they're going to wish they have given this information to in living in these trying times. God bless all of you. Please give her last name and her phone number once again on the air. We will so much. Thank you so much. So, yes, this Teresa Carter Jeffois. It's the law office of Teresa Carter Jeffois. Her website is Jeffois law and i'll spell that for you g-e-o-f-f-r-o-y do it again g-e-o-f-f-r-o-y law.com you can also give her a call at 916-572-1998 that's 916-572-1998 and Teresa will be more than happy to um educate you and talk with you about your needs. One of the things that I did appreciate was that she does do a very good job of educating, explaining. When our first meeting, she said, go over this stuff, write down any questions. I had a ton of questions by the time we came back for our second meeting, but Teresa answered everyone. And I was just impressed with how knowledgeable she was and how, you know, how much she knew about the tax laws in regards to uh, this work. And just all of the questions that I had were answered. And I really, appreciate that she she sat with me she took the time with me and we went through my plan also I like the fact that not only did I get a hard copy of the plan but I also got an electronic copy of the plan too so I have you know access to um, have it in multiple forms in case you know something happened and my house burnt down or something and and the paper copy was done I still have the electronic copy as well so uh, Teresa does really do a really good job at sitting with you she and talking with you, talking through your needs, and then giving you the support that you need. Again, this is not a conversation that's easy to have by any means. These documents to prepare and thinking about how you want your uh, estate uh, distributed and how you want your loved ones to be taken care of when you're no longer here. It's not an easy conversation, fam. I totally understand that. And I'm not saying that it is, but it's necessary. It is so necessary to make sure that our loved ones don't have to go through the expense and the agony. What I put on, I posted yesterday on uh, Instagram, the agony of probate, because I can imagine that not only your still in mourning of losing the loved one, but now you have to go through this process that could take at least a year of the court deciding uh, your future instead of having it spelled out. So, you know, plan and be prepared as much as you can. Again, um, you can consult, you know, do your homework and look for a, a very qualified attorney. Or you can just save yourself the homework and go right to <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> um, it is the law office of Teresa Carter Jeffwa. Again, their last name, uh, the website is Jeffwa Law, and it's G E O F F R O Y Law dot com. Whether you have one in place, she will review that with you, or if you're starting from scratch, um, and she will guide you the best way that she can. Nine one six five seven two one nine nine eight is the number. Thank you so much, family, for listening. I don't know if you're sheltered in place or if you're out and about, but whatever you're doing, make sure you're staying safe. Make sure that you're taking this 
Corona COVID-19 serious because it is a serious thing, you know, so just keep yourself safe, uh, keep you and your family safe. If that means sheltering in place, if that means wearing a mask, if that means putting on gloves, whatever that means, making sure you're washing your hands, which I don't know why we're reminding people, but we'll remind you to wash your hands. <laughs> um, that's just my thing. Um, and, and, you know, keeping, I went to go look for some, I think, some Lysol spray today and all that stuff was out everywhere that I went but you know just keeping yourself safe you and your family safe again I know a lot of us are just stuck in the house Um, but I want to remind you again check on your loved ones that either live alone check on all your loved ones but especially the ones that live alone your friends family whatever that may live by themselves also any elderly people any people that may be disabled that may need an extra hand if you have an extra meal or if you have some extra food or whatever you know this is the time that we are banding together as a community and so you know if nothing else we should come out stronger Uh, support your local black businesses um, whether they are catering companies food places um, or other businesses that are still open there are a lot of them out there and again if you patronize the african market on the first and third saturdays um that you make sure that you um if those vendors that were there are still uh, available make sure you patronize them i know barry axius uh, and his other two chef buddies were out there making meals there are people giving away uh food i know south sacramento christian center was giving away bags of food for people so there are people that are out there reaching the needs of others and it's a beautiful thing to see it's a beautiful thing to see all the djs and people that are online uh, you know holding these uh uh, concerts or, or playing music or just entertaining us the best way we can. And thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Full Circle 975. And if you ever have a question, comment, or you think you may be a great guest for the show, email me at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. That's how we're doing it this Saturday. Family, stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle. 97.5